Chapter One, Part C of Greener Than You Think. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Greener Than You Think by Ward Moore. Chapter One, Part C. My alarm clock, as it did every morning, Sundays included, rang at 6.30, for I am a man of habit. I turned it off, remembering instantly I had given Miss Frances neither her pump nor her share of the sale. Of course, it was more convenient and time-saving to bring them both together, and I was sure she didn't expect me to follow instructions to the letter like an office boy, any more in these matters than she had in her restriction to agricultural use. Still, it was remiss of me. The fact is, I had spent her money as well as my own, not on dissipation, I hasten to say, but on dinner and an installment of my room rent. This was embarrassing, but I looked upon it merely as an advance, quite as if I'd had the customary drawing account to be charged against my next commissions. My acceptance of the advance merely indicated my faith in the future of the metamorphizer. I dissolved a yeast cake in a glass of water. It's very healthy, and I'd heard it alleviated dermal irritations. Lathering my face, I glanced over the list culled from the dictionary and stuck in the mirror the night before, for I have never been too tired to improve my mind. By this easy method of increasing my vocabulary, I had progressed at the time down to the letter K. While drinking my coffee, never more than two cups, it was my custom to read and digest stock and bond quotations, for though I had no investments, the only time I had been able to take a flurry there was an unforeseen recession in the market. I thought a man who didn't keep up with trends and conditions unfitted for a place in the business world. Besides, I didn't expect to be straightened indefinitely, and I believed in being ready to take proper advantage of opportunity when it came. As a man may devote the graver part of his mind to a subject and then turn for relaxation to a lighter aspect, so I had for years been interested in a stock called consolidated pemmican and allied concentrates it wasn't a high-priced issue nor were its fluctuations startling for six months of the year year in and year out it would be quoted at one-sixteenth of a cent a share for the other six months it stood at one-eighth i didn't know what pemmican was and i didn't particularly care but if a man could invest at one-sixteenth he could double his money overnight when it rose to one-eighth then he could reverse the process by selling before it went down, and so snowball into fortune. It was a daydream, but a harmless one. Satisfying myself, consolidated pemmican was bumbling along at its low level. I reluctantly prepared to resume Miss Francis's pump. It seemed less heavy as I wound the hose over my shoulder, and I felt this wasn't due to the negligible quantity I'd expended on Mrs. Dinkman's grass. I just knew I was going to have a successful day. I had to. In moments of fancy, I often think a salesman is more truly a creative artist than many of those who arrogate the title to themselves. He uses words on one hand, and the receptivity of prospects on the other, to mold a cohesive and satisfying whole, a work of art, signed and dated on the dotted line. Like any such work, the creation implies thoughtful and careful preparation. So it was that I got off the bus polishing a new sales talk to fit the changed situation. One of your neighbors, 
I have just applied. I sneered my way past those houses refusing my services the day before. They couldn't have the metamorphizer at any price now. Then it hit my eyes. Mrs. Dinkman's lawn, I mean. The one so neglected, ailing, and yellow only yesterday. It wasn't sad and sickly now. The most enthusiastic homeowner wouldn't have disdained it. There wasn't a single bare spot visible in the whole lush, healthy expanse. And it was green. Green. Not just here and there, but over every inch of soft, undulating surface. A pale apple green where the blades waved to expose its underparts and a rich, dazzling emerald on top. Even the runners, sinuously encroaching upon the sidewalk, were deeply veracent. The metamorphizer worked. The metamorphizer not only worked, but it worked with unbelievable rapidity. Overnight! I knew nothing about the speed at which ordinary fertilizers, plant stimulants, or hormones took hold, but common sense told me nothing like this had ever happened so quickly. I had been indulging in a little legitimate puffery in saying the inoculant worked miracles, but if anything, that had been an understatement. It just went to show how impossible it is for a real salesman to be too enthusiastic. Nerves and knees and fingers quivering, I walked over to join the group curiously inspecting the translated lawn. I, I had done this. Out of the most miserable, I'd made the loveliest. And for a paltry five dollars. I tried to recapture the memory of what it had looked like in order to relish the contrast more, but it was impossible. The vivid present blotted out the decayed past completely. Overnight, someone said. Yes, sir, just overnight. Wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't noticed just yesterday how much worse in the city dump it looked. Bet that stuff's ten inches high. Brother, you can say that again. Foot would be closer. Anyhow, it's the fattest-looking grass I've seen since I left Texas. And the greenest. Guess I never did see such a green before. While they exclaimed about the beauty and vigor of the growth, my mind was racing in high along practical lines. Achievement isn't worth much unless you can harness it, and in today's triumph I saw tomorrow's benefit. No more canvassing with a pump undignifiedly on my back. No more manual labor. No, bold as the thought was, not even any more direct selling for me. This was big, too big to be approached in any cockroach build up slowly from the bottom way. It was a real top deal, in a class with nylon or jukeboxes or bubblegum. You could smell the money in it. First of all, I'd have to tie Josephine Francis down with an ironclad contract. Agents, dealerships, distributors, and a general sales manager, Albert Weiner, at the top. Incorporate! Get it all down in black and white and signed by Miss Francis right away, for her own good. An idealistic scientist, a frail woman, protect her from the vultures who'd try to rob her as soon as they saw what the metamorphizer would do. Such a woman wouldn't have any business sense. I'd see she got a comfortable living out of it and free her from responsibility. 
Then she could potter around all she liked. Incorporate. Interest big money. Put it on a nationwide basis. A cut for the general sales manager on every sale. Besides, stuck! Ooh, take the patent in the company's name. In six months, I'd be on my way to being a millionaire. I had certainly been right up on my toes in picking the metamorphizer as a winner in spite of Miss Frances's kitchen and her lack of aggressiveness. Instinct, the unerring instinct of a wide-awake salesman for the right product and for the right market. I mustn't forget that. Had I been content with her original limitation, I'd still be bumbling around trying to interest Farmer Hicks in some metamorphizer for his hay. Did you notice how thick it was? Well, that's Bermuda for you. Tell me they actually plan it on purpose in Florida. No kidding. Yes, sir. No one thing, even if it looks pretty right now. I wouldn't want that stuff on my place. Have to cut it every day. Betcha. Tough looking, too. I'd rather take my exercise in bed. That's an angle, I thought. Have to get old Lady Frances to modify her formula or something, else we'll never get rich. Slow down the rate of growth. Dilute it. Ought to be more profitable, too. Have to find out how cheaply the inoculant can be produced. No more inefficient hand methods. Of course, the fastness of growth wouldn't affect the sale to farmers. Help it, in fact. No doubt she'd had more than I originally thought in that aspect, I conceded generously. We could let them apply it themselves. Mail-order advertising, cut costs that way. Think of clover, or alfalfa, or weren't they grasses? Anyway, imagine hay or wheat as tall as Iowa corn, and corn higher than a small-town city hall. Fortune? There'd be a dozen fortunes in it. I began perspiring. The deal was getting bigger and bigger. It wasn't just a simple matter of cutting in on a good thing. All the angles which were multiplying at a tremendous rate had to be covered before I saw Miss Frances again. I daren't miss any bets. I needed a staff of agricultural experts. Anyway, someone who could cover the scientific side. Whatever happened to my freshman chemistry? and a mob of lawyers, you'd have to plug every loophole tight. But here I was without a financial resource, couldn't hire a ditch digger, much less the high-priced talent I needed, and someone else might get a brainstorm when he saw the lawn and beat me to it. I visioned myself cheated out of my million. Yes, a really fast worker, some unethical promoter willing to stoop to devious methods, might pass at any moment and grasp the possibilities, have Miss Frances signed up before I'd even got the deal straight in my mind. How could he miss seeing this lawn? Splendid, magnificent, beautiful. No one would ever call this stuff devil grass. Angel grass would be more appropriate to the implications of such a heavenly green. Millions in it. Simply millions. Say, aren't you the fellow put this stuff on? Half a dozen vacant faces gaped at me. The burdening pump, the caudal hose. Curiosity, interest, imbecile amusement argued in their expression with the respect due the worker of the transformation. It was a sort of look connected with sales resistance of the most obstinate kind. They distracted me from thinking things through. 
Miss Dankman sure looking for you. Says she's going to sue you. Here was an unfortunate development, an angle to end all angles. Unfavorable publicity. The abortifacient of new enterprises would mean you could hardly give the stuff away. My imagination raced through columns of newsprint in which the metamorphizer was made the butt of reporters' humor. Mrs. Dinkman's ire would have to be placated, bought off. Perhaps I'd better discuss developments with Miss Francis right away, after all. Whatever I decided, it was advisable for me to leave this vicinity. I was in no financial position to soothe Mrs. Dinkman, and it was dubious, in view of her attitude, whether it would be possible to sell any more in the immediate neighborhood. Probably a new territory was the answer to my problem. A few sales would give me both cash in hand and time to think. While I hesitated, Mrs. Dinkman, belligerency dancing like a sparkling aura about her, came out of her garage with a rusty, rattling lawnmower. I'm no authority on garden tools, but this creaking rickety machine was clearly no match for the lusty growth. The audience felt so, too, and there was a stir of sporting interest as they settled down to watch the contest. Determination was implicit in the sharply unnatural lines of her corset and the firm set of her glasses as she charged into the gently swaying runners. The wheels turned rebelliously, the mower bit, its rusty blades grated against the knife, Something clanked forcibly, and the machine stopped. Mrs. Dinkman pushed, her back arched with effort. The mower didn't budge. She pulled it back. It whirred gratefully. The clanking stopped, and she tried again. This time, it chewed a handful of grass from the edge, found it distasteful, and quit once more. Anybody know how to make this damn thing work? Mrs. Dinkman asked exasperatedly. Needs oil, was helpfully volunteered. She retired into the garage and returned with a lopsided oil can. Oil it, she commanded regally. The helpful one reluctantly pressed his thumb against the wry bottom of the can, aiming the twisted spout at odd parts of the mower. I don't know, he commented. I don't either, said Mrs. Dinkman. You. Greener, Wiener, whatever your name is. There was no possibility of evasion. Yes, ma'am. You made this stuff grow. Now you can cut it down. Uncouth guffaws from the watching idiots. Mrs. Dinkman, I... Get behind that lawnmower, young man, if you don't want to be involved in a lawsuit. I wasn't afraid of such a consequence in itself, having at the moment nothing to attach. But I thought of Miss Francis and future sales, and that impalpable thing known as goodwill. Yes, ma'am, I repeated. I discarded pump and hose to move reluctantly toward the mower. Under my feet I felt the springiness of the grass. Was it pure fancy, or did it truly differ in quality from the lawns I'd trod so indifferently the day before? I took the handle. If oiling had improved the machine, its previous efficiency must have been slight. It went shakily over the first inch of grass, and then, as it had for Mrs. Dinkman, it stopped for me. By now the spectators had increased to a small crowd, and their dull humor had taken the form of cheerfully offering much gratuitous advice. Tie into it, Slim! Build up the old muscle! Back her up and take a good run! Go home and do some setting up exercises! Come back next year! Got to put the old back behind it, bud. Give her the gas! 
Need a decent mower. No use trying to cut stuff like that with an antique. Yeah, get a good mower. One made since the Civil War. No one around here got an honest-to-God lawnmower? The last query evidently nettled local pride, for soon a blithe, beam-shouldered little man trundled up a shiny, rubber-tired machine. This'll do the business, he announced confidently as I relinquished the spotlight to him with understandable readiness. It's a regular Jim Dandy. It certainly was. The devil grass came irreverently above the wheels and flowed with graceful inquisitiveness over the blades, but the brisk little man pushed heartily, and the mechanism revolved with a barely audible clicking. It did not balk, complain, or hesitate. Cleanly severed ends of grass whirled into the air and floated down on the neat smooth swath left behind. Everyone smiled relievedly at the Jim Dandy's triumph, and my sigh was loudest and most heartfelt. I edged away as unobtrusively as I could. End of Part C